This is Michael Santos with the Earning Freedom Podcast, and I'm very happy to answer this question that Stacy asks about my favorite quote. And I can tell you I received this quote when I was locked inside of a prison beginning a 45-year prison sentence, and I was inspired by Gandhi, who told us that we should strive to be the change that we want to see in the world. And it was that quote that inspired me as the weeks turned into months, the months turned into years, the years turned into decades, to write. Because if I wrote, I believed that I could transcend prison walls and contribute to the making of a better world. Welcome to another episode of Right of Your Life, where life happens and life storytelling transforms it. I'm your host, Stacy Curtis. I've made it my mission to help people with tough life situations tell their stories. And why? Because life story writing helped me get through a very difficult time. The Right of Your Life podcast is committed to sharing compelling stories of ordinary people. Our goal is to help you, our listeners, know how to transform your own life by telling your stories. Our show is brought to you by lifestorytelling.com. And guess what? You don't have to be a writer to tell your life stories. Lifestorytelling.com will teach you how. We have a fabulous show for you today with Michael Santos, who is known as the Prison Professor. You're going to want to listen to the end because at the conclusion of each interview, we peek into the Life Story Toolkit. That's where we share exciting tools that will help make capturing your life story easier and better. Michael Santos is known as the Prison Professor. Why? Because he spent 26 years in federal prison after making some foolish mistakes as a young man. He didn't waste that time, though. He discovered a book about Socrates and the philosophy of taking punishment with dignity rather than running away like a coward. Taking this to heart, Michael set about making himself a better person and valuable to society. In prison, he published many articles, he wrote seven books under his own name, and many more as a ghostwriter for other people who were incarcerated. Stick around as Michael takes us on his fascinating journey, and we ask him about his life as the prison professor. Wow. So it's a big, big story here because it began back in August of 1987. I was 23 years old, made some bad decisions, and those bad decisions led me to, to begin, led me to Florida. I started trafficking in cocaine. 18 months later, when I was 23, authorities arrested me and I went to prison. I had a 45-year prison sentence. The earliest stages of my journey, I wasn't quite ready to transform my life, but while I was after I was convicted, I just had this epiphany that I really wanted to reconcile with society and become a better citizen. That uh, commitment guided me through 26 years in federal prison. I emerged from federal prison in August of 2013, and a couple of weeks later, I was hired by San Francisco State University, where I was an adjunct professor. And so in my first year of liberty, after 26 years in prison, I was a professor teaching criminal justice students and students who wanted to uh, improve the outcomes of our nation's criminal justice system. I, t I taught uh, from books that I had written while I was incarcerated. And then I began a career of, as a speaker, speaking around the country about what I consider to be one of the greatest social injustices of our time, and that's 
mass incarceration. And so I, I teach about what we can do to improve prisons so that more people emerge as law-abiding, contributing citizens. That is what I do as the prison professor. I have a website at prisonprofessor.com where I teach courses or, or provide uh, guidance to individuals who are facing a criminal charge and get them thinking about what they can do to emerge from this experience um, with their dignity intact and as a law-abiding citizen. Wow, that's an amazing story. Let's dig into this. First of all, what first gave you the inspiration to share your story? I mean, were you embarrassed about it or you just wanted to tell the world or tell me a little bit about that? My story began after my arrest. In all honesty, really all I cared about was getting out of prison. I didn't take the time to think about the bad decisions I had made as a young man. I just wanted out. And after I was convicted, I had some real moments of thought. My grandparents weren't speaking to me. I hated being in jail. And yet I knew that I was going to be in prison for a very, very long time because I was I was facing a sentence of life without the possibility of parole. So when you're in that type of an environment, you just start to pray. And I was not asking God to get me out of jail because I knew that ship had sailed. I was just asking for strength, for some type of way to to live a better life and to get through this in some kind of way that would demonstrate I want to become a good person, a good citizen, rather than the person that I was reading about in the newspapers. There was no violence associated with my case, but because we were launching the the war on drugs, I knew I was facing a very, very long sentence. And those prayers, they led me to a philosophy book. Now, I had been a terrible student in school didn't know how to spell philosophy. <laughs> but while I am flipping through this this wonderful book called The Treasury of Philosophy, I came across a story of Socrates. And I could identify with it, be, the story because Socrates was sitting in a jail cell waiting execution. And he had this opportunity to leave his jail cell and go on and live his life in exile with full support from the community but when he, his friends approached him and gave him the opportunity to escape, Socrates said that he was going to stay. And his friend, Crito, who had presented the opportunity, said, well, but if you stay, you're going to die. And Socrates said, yes, I'm going to die. And Crito said, but why would you do that? And I'll always remember what Socrates said. He said, well, we live in a democracy. And in a democracy, we have to take the good with the bad. And I don't agree with this law, but I have taken all of the good that society has to offer. It's clothed me and fed me and protected me from foreign enemies. And I took all of that. He said, so I had the right to work to change laws I don't agree with, but I don't have the right to break laws. And because I broke the law, I would rather take the punishment with my dignity intact than run away like a coward. And so when I heard that message from Socrates, I just set the book down on my chest and I just thought, wow, this is really powerful. Yeah. Is there anything that I can do that would allow me to serve this sentence with my dignity intact? And I, I didn't know the answer to that. So I started to project myself into the future, Stacy, and I'd think about people like you and your listeners, just law-abiding citizens. And I thought, is there anything that I could do while I'm in here? They would help Stacy Curtis and listeners of, of this podcast see me as something different from the bad decisions I made when I was 20 years old. And I came across, yeah, there probably is. And, and so I just said, well, what is it? Because I'm not getting this message from the prison system. 
So I thought they would want me to probably educate myself. And two, they would want me to contribute to society in some kind of meaningful, measurable way. And three, they would want me to build a support network. And if I could do that, well, then maybe when I emerged from prison, I would have more opportunities and people would see me as a good American. And that's really all I wanted to be. And so it was that strategy that, that pushed me through and really inspired me to want to transform my life. And so it began with Socrates. And then there were many, many mentors after that, including, of course, you know, Mandela and Viktor Frankl and so many, so many others. But I'm, I'm very happy to share as much, as much of that background as you'd like to hear. That really is amazing. Take me to that exact place. Were you, did you check out a, a philosophy book? Were you sitting in your cell or were you outside? Yeah. Where were you when you first read that story? So when I first read the story, I was just, I had just been convicted. I had not yet been sentenced. And I was waiting inside of the Pierce County Jail. Mm -hmm. And I was looking around and I just saw all of the other prisoners and I just knew I didn't want to be a criminal. And so I'm walking around in this jail pod and I found a book cart. Mm -hmm. And I, in that book cart, I'm flipping through the titles and I see Louis L'Amour and Danielle Steele and Stephen King. And, and then I came across this rather unusual book. It was called The Treasury of Philosophy. And it was big and heavy. And, you know, I was just thought this might have some answers for me. And so I just took it and I went back to my cell. I, I lay on a concrete rack. And as in that environment where there was a cacophony of noise outside of the cell and with televisions blaring and people slamming dominoes down on jail uh, tables, and I just was able to tune out as much as I could and focus on on this incredible story that was written 2,500 years ago in ancient Greece. Right. What a place to be able to turn your life around. Tell me about the time when you decided writing about your life it would be helpful. Did you just did you start by journaling or did you start with a book in mind? I started by trying to answer those three questions. I was after I'd come across with this position that I was going to transform my life while I was incarcerated. And when my judge sentenced me to 45 years in federal prison, I had to come to terms with that. And I didn't know how I was going to do it. So I started to just say, wow, I, I've come across with this three-pronged plan to educate myself, contribute to society, build a support network. The next step was to define success. Right. Because... I had decades to serve and I couldn't even comprehend it. To, to put it into perspective, you know, I was 23 years old at the time. If I was 23, if we took a 23-year-old today and said, you're going to serve this sentence, you won't be emerging from prison until 2041. Right. So I didn't, I didn't know how to think about that. So I just said, okay, I'm going to think about 10 years. What am I going to do during these first 10 years? Because that's really all I can kind of force my mind to comprehend. And so with regard to education, I said, okay, I have to get a university degree and I'm going to do it in my first decade. Second, I said, I'm going to find a way to contribute to society, but I don't know how I'm going to do it in here. So I started thinking about transcending the walls. And the one way that I felt I might be able to do that is by publishing. Right. And then the third was to build a support network. If I could find 10 people who would believe in me that I don't know today and that don't know me, that's going to help build my life. And all of that worked together. So I said, in 10 years, I'm going to earn a university degree. I'm going to publish something. 
and I'm going to find 10 people to believe in me. That became my pattern, and that's what led me into writing. And through that academic work, I began publishing in journals, and I developed a series of mentors, and those mentors were authors, and they invited me to write chapters for their books. And then eventually I started writing my own books, and I wrote many books while I was incarcerated. I wrote seven books under my own name, and I wrote maybe 12 or 15 books as a ghostwriter for other people who were incarcerated. That was the way that I empowered myself and I supported myself, and the earnings that I generated enabled me to really build an extraordinary life while I was incarcerated and it enabled me to return to society with enough resources to to build my career. Are you familiar with Laura King and her research? I am not familiar with Laura King. I'd love to hear about her. What you did with your life is exactly what she has researched and found to be incredibly helpful. Her research shows that writing about life goals and writing about your best possible self is what helps increase your psychological well-being. You set your goals. You said, in 10 years, how am I going to be productive? What am I going to do to make that happen? And you wrote that down and you did it. She has done a lot of research on writing about your best possible self. That helps you reflect and see exactly what you need to do and and make that clear. That's just what you did naturally, which is amazing. It began with this exposure to Socrates. The reality is, well, to quote Steve Jobs, a good artist copies ideas and a great artist steals ideas. And this path of visualize, plan, execute, and reverse engineer is really the roadmap to success that leaders have been living from the beginning of time. This strategy of of visualizing success, creating a plan, and then executing the plan every single day is really what helps all of us achieve our highest potential. That's so true. You said you wrote several books under your own name, and then you also ghost wrote some for other incarcerated individuals. Tell me a little bit about those. So it began when I was, uh, I think I was in about my 13th or 14th year of imprisonment. And one of my mentors, I was in a PhD program at the University of Connecticut, and he was the dean of UConn, but he was also the leading textbook author on corrections. And he asked me if I would like to write a book with him that I could present through his publisher, and we would sell in universities across the country as a supplemental text for students who are learning about corrections or probation or the criminal justice system. And I said, yeah, I'd love the opportunity. And I wrote a book proposal to his publisher. Mm -hmm. And that led to my first book, which was called About Prison. And I really enjoyed the process. I had to do all of my writing by hand because I didn't have access to a computer or a keyboard. Right. But I wrote the manuscript. It was about a 100,000 word manuscript. It was a very fulfilling experience. I then reached out to another one of my mentors. Her name is Marilyn McShane, and she is from your part of the world. She was a professor at the University of Houston okay, and also a leading corrections uh, professor. And I reached out to her, and I asked if she would consider a manuscript, and she said, sure. So I wrote it. By then, I had a little more experience. I wrote another book proposal. She accepted it, and that led to my second book, which was called Profiles from Prison. Then I wanted to reach a mainstream audience. I didn't have any connections in mainstream publishing, but I had two books that were out and I wanted to reach out. So I did my research. I found a a wonderful book called Writer's Market 
and read it, read what I needed to read. I learned that I would need a literary agent. So mm-hmm. I wrote a proposal for specifically for literary agents, sent out about 100, received response, favorable responses from about 12, and got a uh, agreement with uh, a fellow by the name of James Schiavone, who represented me for a manuscript that I wanted to write. And two weeks later, he had a deal for me with St. Martin's Press. That was my experience in writing for the mainstream, and that became my most popular book, Inside Life Behind Bars in America. I was very proud of that book because it had a massive distribution where there are out of perhaps uh, 50,000 of those books in print. It's still in print, and I think it's about like it's a ninth or tenth printing. It was a very rewarding experience, and that led me into writing books for other people who were incarcerated. I began helping them share their stories because everybody has a story. Right. And uh, I would just tell them this would be a very therapeutic way for them to make it through the journey. And that's what I got. That's how I got started ghostwriting. How did telling your story, writing that book and telling your story to the whole world, how did that change you? Well, it gave me an opportunity to to try and uh, create a new narrative of my life. I really wanted to demonstrate the uh, a sense of remorse for the bad decisions I had made as a young man, and I wanted to show that prison may be the context of my story, but the reality is it's a human story. We all face struggle and adversity at some point in our life. And the strategies that empowered me as those days turned into weeks and weeks turned into months and months turned into years and years turned into decades could be universal. And I really believed that other people could find value in that message. And so I really felt as though if I was living my dream of wanting to reconcile with society by showing other people that we all face struggle, we can all go through struggle, and we can all emerge from it with our dignity intact and opportunities for fulfillment and meaning. And that was very empowering for me. And it's really cool that you helped other people tell their stories as well. Did they go through that same catharsis or did they change by telling their story? Did you see them in a different light? Did they see themselves in a different light? Absolutely. There was a a wonderful relationship that developed. And the way that it developed was I was actually writing a book called White Collar. It was a book for business people who found themselves afoul of the law without ever looking at themselves as a criminal or ever considering that they had even broken the law or their decisions could expose them to the criminal justice system. And I knew that tens of thousands of business people across the country make decisions every day that could put them into the crosshairs of the criminal justice system. And I wanted to write a story or write a a book that would profile other business leaders who found themselves in prison because I thought it could add real value to society. Mm -hmm. While I was interviewing one of those people, I suggested to him that he write his book. And he said, I'd like to write my book, but I'm just not a very good writer. And I told him, neither am I, but that doesn't stop me from selling tens of thousands of books. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's what really launched me on that career of writing books. And it enabled me to earn a great living while I was incarcerated. I was very grateful for the opportunity to help people find their strength and, and help them share their story so that they would have a rebuttal 
to the reality that they were going to always be labeled viewed in Google or viewed in society yeah as as the bad decisions and I wanted to show help them show the full context of their story right they can go on to be good productive people in society or for many of them they considered themselves productive members of society anyway and considered themselves wrongfully incarcerated so I wanted to help them tell the story why what happened the onus was on them to to create a new narrative. So now you go into prisons and you encourage those folks still in there and you also help people who have just gotten out of prison. Do you encourage all of those folks to write their life story, write about their experience? I think that writing is an essential component of any individual's path on a pursuit of excellence. Any individual who wants to pursue a values-based, goal-oriented, driven approach to life should really learn how to share a story. And, and this skill set is helpful to anybody. Part of the work that I do with uh, writing and coaching people on how to tell their story is people who are facing a criminal justice sentence. So I want them to be able to tell their story to a judge, to the prison system, so that society will see them as something more than the criminal charge. And every individual has a story. Nobody starts out their life and says, I'm going to be a criminal. There's a tremendous amount of backstory. But if an individual doesn't invest the time, the energy, the resources to really flesh that out, that individual will always face the challenge of having to answer to what others say about about the individual. How do you get people started writing about their life? Generally, the people that with whom I am working are so traumatized by the experience that they are not ready to write. So I begin just asking a lot of questions. And the responses that my clients provide give me the the ammunition for follow-up questions. And so it is just this organic process of trying to get to know the individual, the influences that got that individual to where he or she has become. And then after a lengthy interview process that might take as long as 40 to 50 hours in a few different sessions will result in my being able to understand the story, create an outline, uh, tell it back to them, and then chart out a course of actionable plans. What is the best writing advice you've ever received? <laughs> That's great. I can tell you what that best advice is, and it comes from an interview that I heard of the famous American author named James Patterson, who's probably sold north of a hundred million books. Oh, at least. And he said, look, there are tens of millions of people who will never like what I do. Fortunately, there's a couple million people who do. That's right. And I write for them. <laughs> and so the message that it gave me was that I'm never going to satisfy everybody. I write for a very specific audience and I just do the best that I can to provide the value that I pledge to deliver. Michael, I think we've come to the end of our time. Thank you so much for being generous and sharing all your information, your expertise, your experience with us. Where can our listeners connect with you? The easiest way is through michaelsantos.com. I would encourage them to, to find me in the social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, everywhere, and I would love to connect with your audience. And I want to thank you very much, Stacy, for inspiring me to continue writing. And thank you for giving me this opportunity to share my story with you. 
Thank you so much, Michael. He tells a great life story, doesn't he? Now, I know you're going to want to check out his show notes page. It's at rightofyourlife.com slash Michael Santos. It has links to his books, his website, and his social media, too. He's really great at Twitter, by the way. Now, in the beginning, I told you we had a special feature at the end of each episode. Well, this is where I peek into the Life Story Toolkit and share information on one particular tool that you might want to consider using if you're writing or would like to start telling your life story. The Life Story Toolkit is sponsored by LifeStorytelling.com, where you can find your life theme, discover where to start writing, and craft your life into a compelling story. So let's dig in. In this episode's Life Story Toolkit, we're going to take a peek at the Hemingway app. Now, this is a really cool app that actually improves your writing for you. It makes your writing bold and clear, and that's what we all want, right? So once you introduce your writing to Hemingway, it's never going to be the same. So why is it called Hemingway? Because Hemingway is famous for his short declarative writing. Now, that gives the reader a more enjoyable experience. And here's what the Hemingway app does. It breaks up long, complex sentences into short, crisp ones for you. It fixes common writing errors. It tells you if a word or a phrase has a simpler alternative. It points out those pesky adverbs. Yay! It shows you if you're using passive voice, because we all know that passive writing is lazy writing, right? And it also tells you whether your writing is hard for someone to read. It recommends shorter words for clarity. It gives you a word count and, oh yeah, it's also a spell checker too. Now you can type it directly into the app on your phone and your tablet, your desktop, or you can cut and paste your work into the app and let it fix your writing that way. I love this tool. It's really neat. So consider adding the Hemingway app to your Life Story Toolkit. And did I mention it's free? It is. So you can find it at HemingwayApp.com or it will be in our show notes and you can click on the link there. You can use it when writing your own life story at LifeStorytelling.com. Okay, that's all we have for today. I'd like to thank Michael Santos for sharing his story. He really showed us that no matter where you're at, you can tell your story. Show notes, a free download, and all the links mentioned today are at rightofyourlife.com slash Michael Santos. If you like this podcast, please share it with someone who has an interesting story to tell or who enjoys listening to interesting stories. We'd love your comments, so head over to rightofyourlife.com and tell us what you think. To be notified of future episodes, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your app of choice. Of course, we're also on Pinterest, Facebook, and just about anywhere you can hold a great conversation. My handle is Right of Your Life. This show is put together by consulting producer Nick Jaworski at podcastmonster.com and myself, Stacey Curtis. We hope that today you have the right of your life. (laughs) 